Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Everybody all right? Glad to be at church today. Glad to be here. Amen. Me too. Me too. I'm excited to be with you. Hey, we are digging in deeper in Philippians chapter 3 today. Here's the truth that we are uncovering. You ready? Number one, that when Jesus is at the center of our joy, when he is our greatest joy, you and I, we're the happiest that we can be in this life. Isn't that the truth? That when Jesus is our greatest joy, we are the happiest that we can be in this life. As we turn to Philippians chapter 3 together, here's what we begin to understand. Paul begins to warn the church about a group of people, a set of teachings, a faulty religion that might very well kill, steal, and destroy their joy in Jesus. So take your Bibles. Let's open to Philippians chapter 3 together. We're heading towards verse 2. And as we do that, and there's some things that just go together in life, don't they? Like, like for instance, peanut butter and jelly. Really, you shouldn't have one without the other, right? Eggs and bacon. I think of so many things that we love just pairing together, biscuits and gravy. In fact, we were at Paula Dean's restaurant this past weekend. A church member had given us a, a gift card there, and they had this sausage gravy. Anybody ever had that sausage gravy at Paula Dean's? I mean, it's pretty healthy for you. Listen, I would eat this mask covered in that sausage gravy, right? There's just some things that belong together that should be paired together. Well, here's the truth. You and I have got to be very careful when it comes to this pairing together because sometimes we try to work that into our salvation in Jesus too. Here's what I mean. For example, to be saved, you've got to have Jesus and good works. Or to be saved, you've got to have Jesus and going to church or Jesus and baptism or Jesus and tithing. Jesus and, Jesus and. But here's the truth this morning. The gospel has never been about Jesus and anything else. It has always been Jesus only. In today's text, we are going to find and we are going to see this tension come alive of a Jesus and message of the Judaizers and a Jesus only gospel that Paul preaches throughout the word. Listen to Jesus' words in John 14, 6. You ready? He says this. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father except by me. Now notice what he didn't say, that no man comes unto the Father except by me and your good works or by me and your baptism or by me and your tithing or by me and your going to church, that no man comes unto the Father except by me. You ready? It is a Jesus-only gospel not a Jesus and kind of message. Now, the context of Philippians chapter 3 is that early on in the life of the church, there were groups of Jewish men who we call today Judaizers who were trying to push a Jesus and type message. They would teach people that, hey, to be saved, to be a Christian, you must follow Jesus and Submit to Jewish rules and regulations. You know what, what's amazing? These Judaizers were dealers in legalism, whereas Paul and the gospel were dealers in God's grace and his love. 
These Judaizers, they peddled religion, whereas Paul in the gospel preached a relationship with Jesus Christ in Christ alone. Now, part of rejoicing that we find in verse 1 of Philippians chapter 3, part of that rejoicing for the Philippian church was safeguarding themselves from the degrading, the diminishing, and the distortion of the gospel by these Judaizers here. Listen to Paul's words. You ready? Philippians chapter 3, and we're looking in verse number 2. He says, watch out. Look out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. And some pretty strong words from Paul here. In fact, he doesn't beat around the bush. He calls it like he sees it. Hey, can I remind you something, believer? That because we are in Christ doesn't mean you and I need to be silent. In fact, we must not be silent. Even as pastors, our job, our calling is to feed the sheep. But at times when necessary, we got to fight off the wolves. That's exactly what Paul is doing here in this text with the Philippian church. He is fighting off the wolves. Now listen to what he calls them. He calls them dogs. Now in our 21st century mind, when you hear a dog, you know who you think of? Fluffy. Right, man's best friend, cute and cuddly. In fact, I want to introduce you to a member of my family real quick that you probably haven't met. Come here, Oak. Come here, sweetheart. This is one of our beloved dogs. She's an older dog. Hey, can you sit? Sit, sit, sit. There we go. And she's 11 years old. This is Oakley. She doesn't want to. She just said, no, Dad. Hey, this is the picture of a dog, isn't it? It's something cute and cuddly that maybe even hop into bed with you and that you just kind of do life with. They're one of your best friends. This is the picture that you and I have of what these dogs are all about. But let me tell you the difference, David. You ready? When Paul called these Judaizers dog in this text, immediately in the Philippian church's mind, immediately in the reader's mind, they would have thought of a desperate scavenger dog. A dog that was dangerous, diseased, and despised by everyone, right? Not much like a dog, come on, Oak, that we see in our dogs nowadays. That's not exactly what Paul was trying to get across. You ready? These scavenger dogs in the first century, they would travel in packs. They would bark and they would bite at people and they would tear everything that they came into contact with apart, so you know what Paul's doing? He's saying, likewise, these Judaizers, man, they have been barking and biting at Paul everywhere he has gone, pushing a Jesus and type of message while Paul preached a Jesus-only gospel. He's warning the church of Philippians, hey, listen, these Judaizers, they're dangerous. Their teachings, they are infectious. Watch out. Church, don't give one minute of your time, your attention to a Jesus and type of message. He also calls them evildoers. Now, back in 2000, there was a classical piece of music that came onto the scene entitled, Who Let the Dogs Out? Now, now nobody really knows the lyrics of anything but the chorus which goes, Who Let the Dogs Out? Bunch of pagan people. I tell you what, 
listen to that type of music. Anyway, no, listen. Who let the dogs over? In a sense, what Paul is doing here is he's letting us in on just who has let the dogs out here in Philippians chapter 3. And it is these Judaizers. It's an enemy. It's the devil who seeks to pervert the gospel message any way he can. Paul is telling us that this message of Jesus and is an act. It's a teaching that is evil. It is not of God. It does not reflect his grace. It does not reflect his goodness. It does not reflect the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you might think, Andy, listen, why are you talking about Judaizers? I ain't never met a Judaizer. I can't even say the name right. I don't, we don't even have any of those around today. What, what good is this type of preaching and teaching today? I love what Charles Swindoll says. He says, such folks live on to this day. He says their message are full of exhortations to do more, to work harder, to witness longer, to pray with even greater intensity because enough is never enough. He says such folks are evil workers who will take away what little bit of joy that you and I might be able to muster. Their message of the legalist always finds you lacking and it never brings relief. And that's exactly the very same Jesus and message that is alive today. Hey, but not only does Paul call this teaching these men dogs and evildoers, but they're also mutilators of the flesh. Now watch this, you ready? These Judaizers preached a Jesus and circumcision message. You couldn't have one really without the other. Now, a little background here. Circumcision was commanded of God in the, in the Old Testament for Jewish boys as a physical sign in the flesh that they belong to the people of God. Man, very important right for young men. Now, with little ears in the rooms and a lot of questions, there's no drawings or diagrams here today, but let me just say this. It was a painful process that little boys went through. It showed that they were part of the people of God. In fact, it still goes on to this day. Now, when Paul calls them Judaizers, he says this, well, you're mutilators of the flesh. If you were to read this in the New Testament language of the Greek, what he's doing is he's, he's doing a play on words here. What he's saying this is not only do you seek to mutilate the flesh, but by doing so, you are mutilating the gospel. You are mutilating the gospel of God's grace by putting forth a Jesus and message when the truth is it's a Jesus-only type gospel. You see, Paul advocated a gospel that is the finished work of Jesus on the cross. While Judaizers argued salvation is something you had to work for, Paul advocated that Jesus was enough, whereas Judaizers said simply he wasn't. I read an old story that a pastor shared of a lady who was arguing with her pastor about faith and work. She, she said this, You see, it's like we're all going to heaven on a rowboat. One oar is faith and the other oar is works, and without one, all you'll do is Go around in circles. And the pastor said to her, hey, great analogy, but no one's going to heaven in a rowboat. He said this to her. He said, there's only one good work 
that takes the sinner to heaven. And it's the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Bees, we all good out there? Good. She's okay. Uh, Some might say this. Now, isn't telling people that they don't have to do anything to be saved, isn't that cheapening the gospel? And the answer is no. We cheapen the gospel when we think that anything else can save us besides Jesus. We cheapen the gospel when we believe that we have some power on our part, some good work in our pocket that can bring about our own salvation. In fact, here later on in Philippians chapter 3, look at verse 3 together. It says this, you ready? Paul reminds us of who we are in Christ because of what Jesus has done. He says, we are the circumcision. We who serve God by his spirit, we boast in Christ Jesus. And watch what he says. We put no confidence in the flesh. I, I love. He says, we are the circumcision. Meaning this, because of what Jesus did physically, dying on the cross, rising from the grave, we are spiritually God's people through faith in Christ. Physical circumcision, church, hear me, has been replaced by the circumcision of the heart, which is the work of God's Spirit, not written by the law, as Romans 2.29 reminds us. You ready? Hear me. There is nothing physical you can do to save yourself. Circumcision won't save you. Baptism won't save you. Going to church won't save you. Tithing won't save you. Taking care of the poor won't save you. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says this, for it is by grace in which you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God so that no one can boast. Now, catch this. Once Jesus saves you and me, once we become a Christian through faith in him, Baptism becomes an act of joyful obedience. Gathering as his church becomes a joyful part of our lives week in and week out. Giving in generosity, giving to the Lord through his church brings us great joy. Taking care of the poor makes us rich in joy. But hear me, while these physical actions won't save you, they sure are what saved people do. They sure are part of working out the very gospel. Philippians 2.12, that Christ has worked in to us. I love what Paul writes to the Colossian church in Colossians 3.11. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all. And Christ is in all. And what Paul's doing here in these couple of verses is he's saying, watch out for anyone who preaches a Jesus and type of message. Because it is, it has been, and it will forever be Jesus only. When I was at Walter State, I did a couple years there before I went on to University of Tennessee, and then to Johnson Bible College, I had a world religions and philosophy class at Walter State. I'll never forget one day that in the classroom there in Morristown, uh, our teacher brought in a, a Hindu lady who, listen, was personable and likable. We just didn't quite see 
eye to eye. Now, this, now to help you guys out, this was back in the days where you could have differing opinions, where you could actually talk openly about things that maybe you disagreed with, but at the end of the day, you did so agreeably, right? And those were the good old days, weren't they? The good old days. And so in a sense, here's what she did. With the entire class, she drew a picture of a mountain. And here's what her philosophy was. Can everybody, I just want to make sure our people over here can see. Maybe it's on the screens too. Here was us. And in a sense, here was God, right? So, her philosophy was this. That, hey, to all the Christians who are in the class, it's not really Jesus only because what religion does is religion works its way to God. And there's many different paths towards God. And so maybe it's not just Jesus only, but it's Jesus and Islam can get to God. Jesus and Buddhism or Hinduism can work their way to God. Jesus and Judaism can work their way to God. And as I listen to her, doesn't that just sound good? I sound, okay, good. Here's the problem. The one true God that you and I serve, his name is not Allah. He looks nothing like Buddha. He is the one true God, not the many gods of Hinduism. His prophet is not Muhammad. His son is Jesus. There was a, a lot of problems that I was hearing in her presentation. And so, I mean, I just raised my hand in class and said, hey, that, that all sounds good. But it's not Jesus and It's Jesus only because whereas all other religions are trying to work their way to God, ours is the only true faith that says that God worked his way down to man through the finished work on the cross of Jesus Christ and by emptying his grave. And so it's not Jesus and Islam. It's not Jesus and Buddhism or Hinduism or Judaism. It is Jesus only. And you know what? As much as that was true 15 years ago in college, it's still true today. Still true today. It is not Jesus and the karma of Hinduism. It's not Jesus and the sayings of Buddha and Buddhism. It's not Jesus and the teachings of Muhammad and Islam. It's not Jesus and holding on to the Jewish rules and regulations. Here at the church. It's Jesus only. Jesus only. And Paul says this, here's how we know. Here's how we know that we're bought in to the Jesus only gospel. You ready? That we serve and we worship God by his spirit, not in just our strength. The second thing he outlines in verse 3 is that we rejoice in Jesus and rely on no one, rely on nothing else is our greatest joy. And the third thing he points out is that we have no confidence in this old flesh. Our confidence lies in Christ and Christ alone. You see, church, it's never been a Jesus and. It's always been Jesus only. But you know what, church, I, I want to say this. Not only do you and I need to watch out for modern-day Judaizers who try to throw out a Jesus and type of message. But we must be careful 
not to be guilty of the very same things they were. We've got to watch out that we don't become modern-day Judaizers. Hey, did you know that these Judaizers and their Jesus and message was such a flashpoint in the New Testament that the church leaders got together in Acts chapter 15? They got together to talk about this Jesus and message of the Judaizers. And here's what's amazing about Acts chapter 15, verse 19. The church fathers, the church leaders, deal a fatal blow to these Judaizers and their Jesus and message. Look at verse 19 of Acts chapter 15. They said, it is our judgment, therefore, that we should not make it more difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. You know what they're saying? It's not a Jesus and. It's a Jesus-only message. If we're not careful, church, we are going to look at a lost and dying world, and we're going to say this. Those who are apart from Christ, we're going to say, you need to clean up your life before you come to Jesus. You need to get some things right, right? You, you need to stop smoking. You need to stop drinking. You need to stop cussing, and you need to stop dating girls who do, right? The message of the church. If we're not careful, we make it harder for people to come to Jesus with our own rules and our own regulations. Because here's the joy of Jesus only, the true gospel. And you don't have to clean up for Jesus. Jesus will save you. He will sanctify you. And he will clean you up once you are his. And how does he do it? He forgives our sins. He gives us new life. He gives us his spirit, his strength. He overpowers us with his grace. And he gives us, as John 10, 10 says, life and life to the full. You see, the message of the gospel has never been good works and Jesus. It has always been Jesus only. It's a message that we need to hear and be reminded. It's a message your family needs to hear. It's a message that your, your classmates need to hear, that your co-workers need to hear. It's a message your business ought to hear. It's a message our community needs. It's a message that our world needs. But the question is, is do we believe it? Do we really believe? Are we really bought in to a Jesus-only gospel? I heard the story of an 18-year-old girl who had visited a church in Washington State. For the first time ever in her life, she had heard the gospel. In fact, she was so moved by it that on the Tuesday of that next week, Rachel, she wrote a, a letter to the church. And here's what she wrote. Dear church members, last Sunday I attended your church and I heard the preacher She's doing better than most church members here in the preacher. Anyway, in the sermon, the preacher said that all men have sinned, rebelled against God. Because of their rebellion and disobedience, they, they all face eternal damnation and separation from God. But then the preacher also said that God loves men, sent his son Jesus Christ in the world to redeem men from their sins and that all those who believe in him would go to heaven and live with God eternally. Then she got the gospel that day. She writes, my parents recently died in rapid succession. I know they did not believe in Jesus Christ, whom you call the Savior of the world. 
She writes this. If what you believe is true, they are damned. You compel me to believe that either the message is true and that you yourself don't believe this message or that you simply do not care. You see, we only live three blocks from the church and no one ever told us. Let me tell you something, church. We have neighbors and friends and family and classmates and coworkers all around us who need to know the joy of Jesus that comes through the Jesus only gospel message from the very word of God. But do we believe it enough to go three houses down and tell somebody? Do we believe it enough? Do we love our family enough and our friends to, to share it with the world who's dying to hear it? Here's my challenge to us today, believer. Are you ready? What is your Jesus and? formula for your joy. Here's what I mean. Some of us will say this, if all I had was Jesus and my health, I'll be okay. If all I had is Jesus and my family or Jesus and my finances or Jesus and my good grades or Jesus and getting into the right college, Jesus and the right job or Jesus and my business or Jesus and my cup of coffee, I'm going to be okay today. Hey, by the way, all those things are good gifts from God. But in all of those things, they can only be fully enjoyed when our joy is in Jesus only first. What have you paired with your joy of Jesus? Well, if I just had Jesus in my health, what happens when the health goes? By the way, outside of Jesus coming back, all of our health will go. What happens then? Well, if we follow a Jesus and type of message for our joy, no joy is to be found. Yet if we subscribe and we believe the biblical side of this, that it's a Jesus-only type of joy, even when the health goes, our joy doesn't. Even when the wealth goes, our joy doesn't. Because our joy is Jesus only. First, believer, what have you set up in your life as the Jesus and? We all got them, don't we, from time to time? Man, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to be hard-pressed to find a husband who loves his wife anymore than I do. You're going to be hard-pressed to find a daddy who loves his kids any more than I do. You're going to be hard-pressed to find a dog lover who loves his dogs anymore than I do. She got hurt a couple uh, last week, I believe, and, and she had a pretty bad injury that they believe was actually an infection. But in the first part of it, they thought maybe somebody had kicked our dog. You know what I thought in my mind? I'm going to go kick somebody, right? Like, I love my dogs. But you know what? I can only really enjoy all of those relationships in my life 
when I am bought into my joy being in Jesus only first. And I'm better in those relationships. Believer, what's your Jesus and? Maybe just maybe today you start going, you start going back to I want Jesus only. Jesus only, my Lord. Maybe you're here, you're watching digitally this morning. And the truth is, is you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but, but you're trying yourself to have this Jesus and type of message. Hey, listen, I'll come to Jesus when I, when I get fully sobered up and, and no more addictions, and then I'll come to Jesus. Or, or, or maybe I just got to clean up my life first, and, and then maybe I'll come to Jesus. Or I got to do some dealing with some sin in my life, and then maybe I'll come to Jesus. I got to change some things in my life, and then maybe I'll come to Jesus. Hey, listen, that has never been the heart of the Jesus-only gospel. Come to Jesus, and he'll save you. Come to Jesus, oh, he'll forgive you. Come to Jesus, he'll clean you up. Just come to Jesus today. Can we pray together, church? Let's pray. As we do, I'm going to challenge every believer right where you are. Discover your Jesus and. What have you paired with your joy in Jesus that if it were gone today, so too would be your joy? What's its name? Who is it? What does it look like? Hear me. It may very well be a good and godly thing, but somehow along the way you've paired it with joy and you've lost sight that it's a Jesus only. Faith and joy. Jesus only first. Why don't you name those Jesus ands in your life? And maybe today commit, hey Jesus, you're going to be my first and my greatest joy. Oh, Jesus only first for me today. And trust me, you will enjoy everything else in this life that God has gifted and God has given in a way that maybe you haven't. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.